0: Interrupt our program to bring you this important message.
1: Send it in, Jerome! Hit it! Here's a little gangster, short and size. A t shirt Levi's is his only disguise. Built like a tank, get hot. And welcome to Heat Check on this Monday night. Well, now Tuesday, if you're listening to it on the podcast. Kevin Malay here with Sleepy Scott Zanduli and Riley Swanson. And before we begin, we should explain how our podcast and our schedule is going to look like for this new semester. So we were recording this on Monday, January 23rd. The episode will go up the next day. So if you're listening to it, it is Tuesday, January 24th. Hopefully the world has not burned down yet. But moving forward, though, we'll record upon on Monday, have it for you live on Tuesday. Then we'll do our live shows in the Bill Austin Radio Studio Wednesday nights at nine o'clock mountain time. But if you miss it, they'll be up the next day um, wherever you get your platforms on Thursday. So that's how it looked like moving forward.
0: And we won't have Ryan on on uh, Mondays apparently, which is fine. We don't need him. It, it, Ryan's it, a part timer. Yeah, Ryan is. Um, he's
1: the walk on though. He doesn't. The walk ons do not always play though. He, I would,
0: what I would compare him to at this point is more of like a volunteer assistant. He can only make it sometimes, and that's okay. Yeah, for that. That's okay though. We'll, we'll be fine. We don't need him necessarily. You know we have more than one we have more than enough ACC fans yep. three of us
1: but you know what we do need especially what riley needs riley needs gonzaga to win yeah
0: yep. that didn't happen
1: that well, did not happen
0: here's here's the thing about it Kevin. is i told scott this you, you can't win a national championship in january, january. yeah but you can lose
2: the temple at home in january and they did
0: uh they lost to oh Bill no Maryland. Excuse, excuse, excuse me, me. it's a huge thing you didn't you did, you so, did confuse them.
1: The oh, we, we it's great. Awesome. We have a live studio audience now, apparently, too.
0: A live studio audience. Great stuff. Um, we have Dad, Scott. No, they lost a Little Lamar which is fine. You Like I said, no, yo, you, sure it is. Well, it's not. Uh, North Carolina, the season they made the national championship, lost in the buzzer beater. You know they lost to? Northern Iowa. It happens. People, teams lose to bad teams, play a WCC schedule. Eventually you're you're gonna get one of these, all right? Now, are they gonna be the favorites going into the tournament? No, absolutely not. They just lost themselves any chance for one seed, I think. You're probably right. Probably the highest they can get now is probably a two seed. If they if they beat St. Mary's three times, they'll get themselves a two seed, I would think. But here's the thing about it, is maybe that's what this program, maybe what what that team needs is to not have these high expectations, number one overall seed, number two overall seed going into the tournament, and then have to try and live up to those. Maybe they just slide in three, four seed, win a few games, see what happens. Obviously not ideal losing to Loyola Marymount, but then Saturday they played against Pacific, which was another not ideal game for them. They only won by nine, but Drew Timmy had 38 and proved that he can win them just about any game they're in.
1: Snap that loss, but I snapped a 76-game home winning streak. For the Zags, so keep that in mind as we move online. I agree, though, I think it'll be very interesting to see where they fall. I think that it might be good for them to go in and say, Oh, we're a two seed, we're a three seed, we're a four seed, and you know, act like the Georgia football team and claim you're the underdogs and you have that underdog mentality because that worked for the Bulldog football team. And we'll see now if it works for a different Bulldogs basketball team. Scott, your closing thoughts on the Zags?
2: It's just it's not like previous years where they've been, uh, you know clear cut top tier team. They're not among the best teams in the country, at least at this moment. And uh, if it, it's adversity, Gonzaga hasn't faced a lot of adversity in the past with the kind of recruits that they have brought in and the conference that they play in. So the rest of the way, I'm very interested by them because this is the first real adversity I feel like this program is facing in a long time. So see how they respond.
1: Well, oh, I love how we're talking about adversity. They, they lost one game at home, and then they only win another game by nine points, and we're talking about just how adverse it is.
2: That's the way it goes when you play like that in the WCC, and you're supposed to be a top-ten team in the country. WCC is not that
0: bad, though. They're that's, not as bad as we're making
1: the them out to be. There's
0: They're a. As many good, fans. Yeah, they have one good guard, though. We've You've seen what happens when a mid major has one good guard, huh, Scott? He was a forward. Okay, well, one good scorer.
1: One guy who can make a one, basket on the stretch. One
0: who can, can single-handedly beat your team. You've seen it. It happens.
1: As recently Pretty as March good. of 2022, I want to say, right?
0: Yeah, maybe a guy by
1: – I can be crazy, right?
2: Yeah. Most national championships since the turn of the century.
0: Good job, Scott.
1: Scott going with the Yankees' 27 rings <laughs> coming right there.
0: <laughs> good job, Scott. Well, speaking of rings, next team we got, Kansas – yeah, that was, that was, that was a rough one. George does his evil lap somewhere, wherever he is. <laughs> Two losses last week. And the thing about it to me was it's kind of been the formula for them is they can lose some games on the road in the big 12. It happens. They lose to an in-state rival who played really well, very impressive at Kansas state. They lose on the road against a sellout crowd. Tough They'll, environment. They lose by single digits. Last possession of the game, you'll take that loss if you Kansas.
1: And they really shouldn't have been in the game. Like down the right. stretch, Kansas State easily could have pulled away at multiple points, and they, they shot did the it out. They exactly. Shot the lights
0: out, and they got back. Jalen Wilson single-handedly brought them back into the game. But the formula has been lose some games on the road, and then come home, and no matter what happens, we're, we're going to win. They've last three home conference games they've played: Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Oklahoma. They've won by a combined eight points. They. They they finally they finally saw what happens when they they were playing with fire and eventually they got burnt Mm -hmm. and so they they got manhandled by TCU and the thing is though TCU shot about fifty percent in that game so I mean the postgame Bill Self said the way they the way TCU chewed their gum and tied their shoes they did everything perfect (laughs) and so the thing about it too is it's the Big Twelve so what are they going to do tonight? They're gonna get a break. Nope, they're gonna go on the road and play Baylor on Big Monday, which we'll see later on tonight and have a reaction for you on Wednesday from that game. If if you, I mean, Kansas is still a national title contender in my eyes, no doubt. Yeah. I just, I just, there's a reason why last year's team was the number one seed, national championship favorites, and the team that you know a lot of people had picked to win it all. It's because they're missing Abadji, they're missing Christian Brown, they're missing. Remy Martin. They missed Dave McCormick. They missed David McCormick big time. Yeah. And so they're they're not as elite as they were last season, but I think they're still very, very, very good. I agree. It's hard to come back the season after winning a national championship and be better
2: in no matter what sport you're playing in. And uh, I feel like this field, this we have had a rather high amount of parity. In college basketball this season, I don't believe there's one clear-cut number one team as of this moment. And every team's got a thick at. in Kansas. There it is. I mean, when K.J. Adams is – they kind of go with the way K.J. Adams goes. If he's not going to play well, teams are going to score 30 or 40 points in the paint on them. And you can be as well-coached as you can with Bill Self. It's just – we know the Big 12 is hell-honored in terms – basketball so anything happen on that in that league on any given night.
1: What the Big 12 is now is what the old Big East used to be
2: and nothing will ever be the old Big
1: East in terms of this will be the closest thing we'll get to in terms of now well, it's just you go through the list and literally one through even if one through 11 or one through 10 excuse me those teams are no matter how good or how bad they are there's not really a true just I guess quote, easy environment to go you know. into and I mean, even in the old big East, and sure, the old big East, you know, had teams like South Florida and Nepal. but when you're playing
2: that's South Florida is not claimed by the Big East. But was, they used that to that was the big East that was trying to save save themselves. Let me finish.
1: Let me finish. They were still in the conference. Whether we like it, whether we like to admit it or not, they're still in the conference at one point. And those were even though like they those are two teams who were used to be just historically bad in that conference, and DePaul still is historically bad in the big East. You had to go playing just these really just empty cavernous gyms. And it's hard to get up for those. The Big 12, you don't have any empty cavernous gyms, but even the worst teams have incredible and tough environments to go into.
0: I'm pretty sure the stat they read on ESPN the other night was all 10 teams are in the top 60 of the net rankings. You can fact check me on that, but I that seems like it would be right. I think that's true. I think that's true. And it's the what's nice about the the Big 12, which is ironic it's the Big 12 because it's actually the Big 10, and the Big 10 is actually the Big 14. We, we need to do some renaming when we do the conference restructures, in my opinion. <laughs> but you, you only have 10 teams, and so it's nice because they play the round robin where they play everyone twice. Mm-hmm. And so that's it, that's what makes it part of it fun, and also what makes it easier, I think, to have a dominant conference top to bottom because I, I think right now there's no doubt the Big 12 is the toughest league in college basketball. But I think mm-hmm, I an argument I could make, an argument someone could make, is if you took the top ten teams from the big ten and cut off the bottom four. So imagine Purdue doesn't doesn't get to play Nebraska. They don't get to play Minnesota. they They only play the top ten teams. I think that would have an argument for also the best league in the country. So I think that's where it kind of hurts these bigger conferences because, or even you take the top 10 teams in the SEC. They've been pretty dominant all year. Mm-hmm. But the, the fact of the matter is the Big 12 is a gauntlet, and you're not going to see a team run run through it like Kansas used to just go win regular season titles. You know, they've been teams now who are stepping up.
1: So all 10 teams so after like this, this weekend, all 10 teams are in the top 75 of the net rankings. I'm going to go back to the net rankings point. Right 75. Top well, 75.
0: one one wins on the road.
1: Exactly. So so Texas Tech is the lowest at 73 Here's of the top teams in the net rankings. Second, Kansas. I,
0: still I think, I mean, they did not win on Saturday. And no, yes, they're I,
1: still winless So Kansas is the leader in net rankings in the Big 12 at eight. Texas at nine. Iowa State 10. 15 is Baylor. 16 K State. TCU's at 17. And then you get your West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. And they don't come in until you get to the 30s. But think about this, though. Between the 8th and 17th rankings of the Big 12, or of the net rankings, excuse me, six of those teams are in the Big 12. There are six teams in the top 17 in the net rankings from the Big 12 conference.
0: And the difference is they, I'm like, now I I said you can make the argument for the Big 10. The difference is they win in March. So that's what makes them better. That's my argument for years. They don't win in March.
1: They actually win in March. Also, shout
0: out uh, Big 12 football. Three of the four quarterbacks left all played in the Big Twelve in the NFL playoffs. So um, there's another another Big Twelve talking point. Best conference in the country, people are saying. <laughs> Who knows? It did just send a team to the College World Series as well. So yeah, they're, they're solid. And they're, I mean, they're they're good. Big Twelve, Big Twelve trending
1: up. Let's see some Big Twelve hockey. Let's go, let's get yeah, Big Twelve. They,
0: they hockey. They teams, I know that. Let's I mean, get them
1: on the D one scale. Get them play some games against Arizona State.
0: They'd probably they'd probably dominate everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's the Big Twelve. That's what they do. I mean, they live in the Midwest,
1: where there's nothing to do, like everyone thinks. So, that's why they're good at sports, I guess. Moving on now, we go to the Pac-12, a conference that's in a down year, I think, compared to other years in basketball. But they just got back another title contender. U of A with the win on Saturday over UCLA. Didn't come easy for the Wildcats, but they got done 2-0 against the Southern California schools. How do you like U of A going forward?
0: I think part of it is Bobby Hurley and the fellas tired him, tired UCLA out. They exactly. did. I mean they they played, they they were winning at halftime. They they took him right down to the wire. UCLA was just better in the end because that's what championship caliber teams do that have championship caliber players. But
1: Tyre Campbell and Hawk has closed that door quickly.
0: But focusing on just that game on Saturday in in specific, it was encouraging for Arizona to play that good of defense, which I think UCLA is a fairly difficult team to guard when you have Tyron Campbell running the point Hawkes, who can go everywhere from down the block to shooting three pointers Singleton, who's a knockdown three point shooter and Jalen Clark, who is was a, just a menace on the offensive boards for being his size. And they held him to 52 points. That's the lowest point total they've allowed the whole season. And so you talk about a team playing their best defensively, at least at the right time. Now UCLA does play a slower pace, and they want to slow the game down and play defensively. So that does help them in a sense. But I think what we saw is Arizona is just a little bit deeper, I think, than UCLA. And this was more than a six-point game. They had some bad turnovers at the end. They were winning by 10. They cut it down to about four until Arizona finished it off one won by six. So really it really was about a 10-point victory. It was It was just impressive to see the way – the way that they are so balanced offensively. I mean, Kirk Kreesa tries to shoot them out of games sometimes. So if you <laughs> can not do that, they're going to be very good. But just the old school basketball of Tobelis and Umar Ballo, shut up Peyton Gallagher. Uh, cool. those those guys run the high low. And they you can tell they're just a group of guys. Both of those teams is fun to watch. They're a group of guys who played a lot of basketball together. And I don't think Arizona's gonna win at all. I think they missed their chance last year. But still they lose three and three really solid NBA prospects in Dalen Terry, Christian Coloco, and Benedict Mathurin. And what do they do? They come back and have another top 10 team.
1: And Scott, I'll turn to you now from the UCLA side of things. Obviously, tough loss Saturday. But you and I were both there on Thursday night when they were in debt when they were in town here in the greater Phoenix metropolitan area. And they are great defensively, but more importantly, they were at one point on a 13-14 game winning streak without arguing the best player on the roster, Amari Bailey, who has now missed the last seven games with foot injury. Do you are you concerned by this loss for UCLA in any way? Or do you no. think or do you think, hey, look, tough environment. We didn't have our best player on the team and we still compete with U of A. Well, is not a very easy
0: place to play. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah. first, I don't know if it's best, most important maybe. I think Jaime is and of Campbell at the best. But uh, Bailey, Bailey most is,
2: crit- he is critical to their team yes. and their offense just due to his athleticism and on defense, how he's so long can just disrupt play. disrupt plays just by being out there. And uh, UCLA, the way they play, Mick Cronin has always been a coach that gets the most out of his guys. I feel like knowing that from the American days when he was back at Cincinnati. And he's carried that over, I feel like, now to UCLA to where a guy like David Singleton can score 20 points, despite his only rich skill being able to spot up shoot. Mm-hmm. And Tiger Campbell, we've seen him be able to take over, take over the offense and scoring low now with their go-to score and Johnny Juzang off the NBA. Uh, Jaime Hawkes he's had a great season, but his last two games have not really been that.
1: He's tired. He might
2: be a little and tired. of tough defensive matches really yes, he, guys on the I mean, Against ASU, Devin Cambridge was a nightmare of a matchup. That's why he did nothing. And then with the way Arizona runs, that's just, that's going to get him out of his rhythm as well. But uh, Amari Bailey is kind of the guy, he's the joker in the deck at UCLA. He's the one guy that can really get, I mean, everyone can get out and run, but he's the one guy that can really excel at it and just blow my defenses off the dribble. And so he is very vital to what they need to do. And uh, they haven't necessarily, even at the back half of that win streak, when Bailey wasn't playing, they weren't blowing anybody out. So, he, they're going to need him back and healthy if they really want to make something, ha- make something happen in March, I think.
1: And regarding Hawkins, the, the tired, granted, the defensive matchups and just are huge. You guys brought up Devin Cambridge and what a defender he's been. Hawkins, coming into the Arizona State game, had played over 30 minutes the last two games in patchwork play, and it's Colorado and Utah. Now, granted, you might be thinking, oh, it was Colorado and Utah, but still, back 12, there's still a lot of very physical guys that would have to guard Hawkes Tough matchups there. Hawkins only played 28 minutes against the Sun Devils on Thursday night. But then look at Saturday, he played 37 again. So just he's been used and used and used. Because once again, though, the question that I had when we discussed making a champion on Wednesday night was about the depth of this UCLA team. And there's still a lot of question marks. Now, granted, you guys brought up Singleton. He's done a phenomenal job coming off the bench and into that starter's role because of the Bailey injury. But still, this weekend, I think we really saw the depth. Hurt UCLA, and I should say the lack of depth hurt There's UCLA. A
2: major lack of depth within this Bruins team. It's very unlike uh, Nick Cronin and UCLA because we've seen. I mean, when they went to the Final Four, they rolled like seven, eight men, eight, even nine guys out there every night. Last year, they had they brought back almost the same team from that kind of run, and now you come back and look at this team. It's just you get rid of the starting five. This it's not looking too hot. I mean without Amari Bailey, David Singleton had to play, had to start in those two games in the Arizonas. And I mean, he's, he, had, he's he,
1: had to start the last seven.
2: But their bench production has not been very good. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't just, they really don't have a ton of talent off that side of the bench, even though Mick Cronin can elevate his guys better than a lot of coaches, I think, but uh, the depth really isn't there. And depth is important, mm-hmm. especially in March. We saw last year,
0: you can argue that Kansas's best player in the tournament was Remy Martin, who came off the bench. Scott, maybe I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here. On one hand, yeah, Kansas used their depth. Remy Martin came off the bench. On the other hand, the other team in the national championship, and I'm going to put my bias aside and just speak from a no, basketball I standpoint, yeah. Iron 5, North Carolina. And so I think it. as much as we want to talk about how much depth is important, I think for winning a conference title, and going through a conference season, depth is immensely important because you're going to have guys like Bailey go out. You're going to have that happen where you have injuries. If they're able to get healthy by March, I think it's very sustainable to play. Usually, coaches shorten up the coach is short to bench no matter what team it is. You play six, seven guys, and you're going to be able to win. You only got to win two games in a weekend. You get a day break. It's exactly like the Pac 12 schedule and they've been pretty good in the Pac-12 up until this weekend when they lost their first game.
1: And here's something to note about the bench this weekend for UCLA on the road at the two Arizona schools. Thursday night, bench, seven points. All seven points came from Dylan Andrews. Saturday, four bench points. They all came from Will McClendon. They are not getting much off the bench. And to your point, Riley, once they get Bailey back, does Mick Cronin go – I need to shorten this now, or do you think he's going to wait till we get to March we get to Las Vegas before he starts to make those decisions?
0: I think, I think he waits till March. I think when you're a team in the top 10, you're playing for uh, you're playing for a national championship, not necessarily a conference championship. And so I think he can play those guys now, give the starters some rest, like he did with Haquez against ASU, give those guys a break, and then when it comes tournament time, say, all right, we're going to go with these six, seven guys and you're going to play. 30-plus minutes a night. And I think that's the way it has to be for UCLA if they want to win the national championship because that's what you have to do is you have to have your six best players, seven best players on the floor as much as possible. I mean, we saw the platoon method with Kentucky and they played 10 guys. Well, guess what? They didn't win the national championship. There's a reason. I mean, didn't King, want a right? I mean, Kansas, they, they, uh, they had Remy Martin off the bench, but other than him off the bench, Mitch Lightfoot here and there, but it was mostly the starting five and Remy that kind of went at it. So that's just my thoughts on the usage of players and how, that's why having depth throughout a season can be beneficial. But when it gets down to it towards the end, it's going to be – you can only play five guys at a time.
1: I'm trying to think of the last national champions over a decade, and you brought up a very fascinating point. I can't recall the last time there was maybe a more than seven-man rotation on a national title team. Uh, 14. The two UConn teams were the two teams. I'm like, maybe 14. Four teams felt like it was a seven man chase the entire year. Yeah, Calhoun on the Calhoun 11 team felt like he was a lot more open ended.
2: Well,
1: they look well, sure, they lived and died by Kemba, but there's still though Calhoun went to the bench a lot outside of Kemba. Kemba was on the floor pretty much almost every minute. I'm trying to remember if I remember this correctly or not. Yeah, but if
2: you take a look at the 14 team, they did have themselves a pretty but pretty wide depth. They would use, uh, well, Shabazz and Boatwright. Uh, They had DeAndre Daniels, Maida Brima, Gafai was uh, the fifth. Gafai was the five. Terrence Samuel and Philip Nolan were off the bench. Uh, didn't see a ton of title Rolander, but he would come in, come in there. Him and, and purpose, So they had about eight or nine guys that use.
1: But consistently, though, it was a seven-man rotation for Ali that year. I'm just trying to remember correctly here because it's been okay. – we're almost now eight years removed from that mean, national title guess. run. We're we're almost seven years from that national title around eight in 2024, which is or ten in 2024. Excuse me, I can't do math tonight. That's
0: okay, Kevin.
1: So we shall move on now to another national championship team that we brought up. I guess we should never do making a champion no, again. They all just lose. They all lost because now we're going to go to down to Texas and Houston, who got upset this weekend, and now all of a sudden, I guess the question is, does Houston have a problem?
0: In short, no. Um, I guess, kind of, if you want to say losing Temple isn't good, obviously it's not good. You never want to lose a game. In my mind, they're
1: still on the one line, in my opinion.
0: Oh, they, abs- they, they. absolutely still are. They're only dropped to number three in the country. I mean, their resume is still fantastic. They're, the eye test is still fantastic. They just mm-hmm. had a bad game, and they, it's just something they can learn from, I think. And I don't think this is the end all be all. I, if anything, it helps them in a sense. Tasting loss, experiencing a loss, I think is good for a team. Honestly, if I'm a Houston fan, I probably want them to lose another one closer to the tournament. A lot of times, just being a North Carolina fan, when we go through the ACC tournament, our most successful years, half the time we don't even win the ACC tournament championship, then we go on to the national title game. Because, I mean, that's what happened last year. It's what happened, I believe, my memory serves me right, in 2017. We lost in the semifinals of the national championship of the ACC tournament. And we went on to win the national title. Twenty sixteen, I don't think we won the ACC tournament. Went on to win that. Went on to play in the national title, and it's it's not the worst thing to lose a game here and there. Uh, it's just going to be about how they bounce back, I guess. the The concerning thing was that it was at home. You'd like to see the loss come on the road or at the new, in a neutral site. Mm-hmm. They still have the guys to win the national title, though. If anything, I like that they lost too because maybe it'll steer some people off of them in bracket leagues to not pick them, and I'm probably still going to pick them (laughs) and hopefully win some money because of it.
1: 2017 ACC Men's Basketball Tournament, North Carolina lost to Duke in the semifinal round. Yep. And Duke went on to beat your name in the conference title game.
0: Perfect. See? Obviously, last year we did not win. Let's look at the 2016 ACC Tournament. Scott, thoughts on Houston? Oh, kind of the same thing you said. It's like, it's concerning to me
2: when you lose at home, no matter who you're really playing, especially when it's temple.
0: Because having, 2016, we did win, I guess. Good for us. <laughs> been in the American Hang the banner. Having been in the American conference, I
2: mean, you don't really see road wins like that very often. And so it feels like it is a little concerning, but listen, we know this Houston team. We know, I mean, last year, they ripped their roster after all those injuries. They really had no business being even considered to be ranked. And then they took out Arizona, who was one of the more popular national championship picks, and then came within what five, six points of going to the final four. So this team is remarkably talented, probably the most talented team, the best coach in the country, Kelvin Sampson has had. Boy, I'd say Bill Self, but I'd say Kelvin Sampson. But with the kind of team that he's got down there, and it's a, it's a little bit like the Gonzaga situation where you're not going to see anyone competitive for a while, so you're going to let your guard down. And they did. And I think this is now the wake-up call. They really needed So I'm not concerned with Houston, but I'm not, like, 100% like even Keel.
1: And i like to make a point. I said I'm keeping them on the one line to make sure to avoid any crazy opinions that someone would take them down from this show. Someone would knock them off the one line. Uh, speaking of one lines, it's back. Time for corporate Scott Sandulis Bracketology update. Scott, we're going to keep it simple. We don't want the full 68. We just want who are your four one-seeds. Last four in, we'll be playing in Dayton and dating, and then the first four out.
2: Well, we're going to announce to the people right here, February 1st is the first uh, official Twitter graphic. Full Bracketology, that will be released. Oh, That's oh, big. That's big, people. Mark, mark your calendars. Let's set a reminder. Let's get ready for that. Calendars, as I said. But one seed for sure right now, number one overall seed, it's kind of by default is Purdue just because uh, it, they've literally dominated. But I understand that they really, they live and die by one player. I would not be surprised to see them slide off. But also on the one line, Alabama, the number two overall seed, it kind of goes without saying. And uh, number three, Houston as well. And four was an interesting one because you had – It was between Kansas and UCLA who both lost this week. But at the end of the day, I am going to give it to Kansas. It is just a better non-conference resume, better wins for now. If they lose tonight to Baylor, that changes. But for now, Kansas remains on the one line.
0: All right, Scott, a couple questions here before we get to the last four in. Yes. Now, you said Purdue by default, number one overall seed. Mm -hmm. What in your mind puts them – ahead of Alabama because looking at them I think you make a great case Alabama went on the road and beat Houston they're undefeated in SEC play it was a pretty solid conference this year their two losses are both neutral site and they, they passed the eye test well not you can't the Gonzaga wait, loss was home it wait was in Birmingham. real
2: quick though that's a home loss. real quick speaking of Alabama speaking.
1: I had Alabama as my making a champion. Was mine the only making a champion that actually won that last, won this past weekend?
2: Gavin Victor left. Here we Yeah,
1: that's true. No, I'm not saying that you want to do on a bra like to go brag, but I'm like, I'm just I'm genuinely curious here because it was a rough week for the five of us last week in terms of our making a champion picks. So uh I guess roll tied and I'll, I'm happy I picked Alabama. But either way, Scott, back to you. Uh,
2: I go with Purdue over Alabama, mostly because uh, in the two games that Alabama has lost, uh, it was basically a home loss to Gonzaga. They'll say neutral site. The game was in Birmingham. That is a home loss. And uh, the UConn loss does not look very good. I mean, trust me, it's a good loss to take. It's a quad one loss, but UConn is also
1: sucked. New Zealand's right? with a quad one loss well, this week, too, though. But under- we'll get into UConn
2: sucking later, but – also, Purdue has the national player of the year, in my opinion. Uh, their offensive metrics are just a, a little bit better than Alabama's. The defensive ones, they're little—they're kind of close. They're, it's a closer gap on the defense than it is on the offensive metrics. Uh, Purdue's offense, I feel like, is just dominant. It's like they both play through one guy offensively, and that's uh, Brandon Miller and Zach Eady, respectively. And I think... If Javon Quinterly were to ever find his old form again, that would help Alabama get up to the number one overall line. But I'm going to stick with Purdue for now just because of, I feel like their resume, their resumes are rather equal, but Purdue has just been more dominant
1: over team than that.
0: That's all I want I want an explanation.
1: And then real quick, Kansas over UCLA is the one that I have with a couple of questions on.
0: Another close
2: one for sure. And they're both coming off, uh, losses but uh, UCLA I feel like is a team that is going to like what like, like I said their depth is a little concerning but same as Kansas neither team is especially deep but uh, one team plays in the toughest conference in America and the other doesn't that is a big that's a bit of a selling point for me. And also UCLA is elite defensively yes, Kansas is rather elite offensively. Uh, Kansas has played a better non-conference schedule, they have better wins I think Kansas is the better team
1: on paper as of now Can I ask you this question though And and I know that it's about I know you never want to compare losses but you mentioned when you first brought up your top four you mentioned, I know both teams lost this week UCLA went to a unusually tough Road environment in Tempe, a rare near sellout for Arizona State men's basketball. Very tough environment. First place on the line, back and forth game. They pull away down the stretch and kind of dominate the last three. They held Arizona State to without a basket for the final three and a half minutes of game time, and then they go to the McKale Center, still very short-handed, mind you, and they lose by six points. So I'm asking you, wouldn't it, by fault? The UCLA loss be to U of A be better than the two Kansas losses this week or no? Well what, what kind of because UCLA's loss is still a quad-one
2: loss. What kind of put Kansas over the edge for really me a little bit is the fact that UCLA doesn't have a true marquee signature win yet. Kansas got that against Iowa State. Uh even though Duke isn't looking too hot. It's still Duke. Um they blew out Indiana. And uh if they shot five of 29 for three from three against Kansas State and lost by one over no, time with three starters following out. Mm-hmm. So Kansas, I think, is they've been a little bit more into those tough games against those high quality opponents. Obviously, Bill Self, I think, I think they're a little bit better coach.
0: What about Tennessee? Ever crossed your mind. Tennessee. Tennessee same amount lost losses at Kansas. They, Tennessee they is on the.
1: That's a good shot.
0: on the
2: two
1: line for me, just
0: what Are they the top two seed? Top
2: two right?
1: seed, at least. Um, or would well, No, UCLA would probably be the top I'm two. two I, would, I would. They, they would be the, be the second highest two seed. Because UCLA is the first high—is that your highest two seed? I'm guessing. Uh, based off your like, argument, it's like
2: a. I mean. Mostly Tennessee might even be the third highest seed because Arizona and
1: UCLA are really close. Okay, but I'm but you still answered my question. And my question was is UCLA technically your highest two seed based off the argument that you just presented to Riley
2: Most likely, yes.
1: But okay. that's that but wait, but how can you consider them for a one seed and then all of a sudden be like, well, they're not a one seed, even though you consider them so, and Tennessee for one seeds too. All right. Okay, all right, that's fine. That's fine. No, I just wanted an explanation. That's all fine. Right. Your last four in last four in
2: last as of right now. Hold on one second. My laptop just disconnected from the internet. Tough scene there. It's no good, Scott. There we go. All right. So, last four in right now is going to include the Oklahoma Sooners. They've gotten themselves going a little bit and back onto the playoff picture, the tournament picture,
1: but still a little bit of work to do. Their football team wishes they could be in the playoff picture. That's another another podcast. Fair enough. I
2: have uh, Northwestern on there as well. Kind of, they got, they've been doing a lot better than I thought with the team they had this year, but still need another marquee winner or two to get themselves moving up. Real quick on
1: Northwestern. When they, they're very much one of those teams that lives in dies by the three, but when they shoot the three well, they are really hard to beat. I guess that's a lot of teams, but Northwestern, I mean, especially this year. Never anyone shoots the three well, they're hard to beat. But especially this season for Northwestern, she just seems like consistently they just shoot the lights out of the gym, which is. Rare for Northwestern standards. Well, they sure can. I mean, they went to
2: Michigan State and won. but uh they they beat Illinois, they won at Indiana, but God Smith, Wisconsin right now, which exactly and in- they lost by 30 to Pitt. Uh that lost can tell by, luck.
0: Pitt's a good team.
2: Yeah, they lost by 16 to Ohio State, lost to Rutgers, lost to Michigan. So Not- it's hard to decipher what
1: Northwestern really is right now. There's they're In my mind, I think they're like one of those last four in who's like an 11 seed.
0: Yeah, that's probably fair.
1: I have them on the 12 line, but fair.
2: So, uh, continue on with the last four in. I also have Memphis. Uh, they also, I feel like they just need their game with Houston to really get themselves moving anywhere because I mean, they've they've had a good season. And, uh, I mean, for all things considered, it's, it's Memphis basketball. Penny Hardaway is, uh, I have some opinions, but they're they're trudging along, 15 and five, very respectable. Uh, But what's and they did give Alabama a run for their money, but the UCF loss isn't helping their case, and uh, Tulane loss certainly isn't helping their case. But yep, and then going to the last, uh, there's no real like last team in. It's just the last four in really. Uh, The last one among those for me is Boise State. Mountain uh, West, it's just not an easy conference to really take advantage of opportunities. And I know they gave New Mexico a heck of a game the other night, but they did not win that game. So, Boise State have got they've got some work to do if they want to keep themselves in the field safely. And uh, among the first four out, I still do have Kentucky on the outside looking in. It's just not been that kind of season. Over in Lexington, they got to get something going. But lucky for them, they play in the SEC, so they're going to have plenty of chances to get themselves up. Uh, Penn State is also among that group as well. Again, kind of awaiting that big signature win to really, you know, send them over the top. And uh, also, we have Wake Forest, who just got themselves into consideration with a win over Clemson. And the final team rounding out the first four out is USC, following a rather impressive road win over Arizona State. It might say eight points on the final score. It should have been like 20.
0: Are the Devils in? The Devils, Devils are still in.
2: Where are they're you? 11, 10, 11, 10, 12. They are on the 10 line among the last four buys. Okay. 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 Where, where, where are you at my Tar Heels? Ryles Tar Heels sit
0: as an eight seed. Ah, that's fair. We already had them as a nine.
1: Well, where are my blue demons at? No, that the wake they,
0: they are in the two their, seed in the NIT,
1: NIT right now? Two in, in the NIT? One
2: seed in the CBS. The ball nowhere to be found, and uh, my UConn Huskies on the five
1: line until until we make that run at the Garden that me and Picorni were talking he about last up. week. He, he brought it up. Georgetown did it when there was no fans, building, right? Well, there was if there were fans in that building, you George don't know fans, that Scott. Yeah. Hey, and Scott and UConn lost to Maryland by a lot of points in the first round with quote unquote no the building, like six points.
0: Shut All right, well, time for my favorite segment.
1: Time for Rise Guys. It's Rise
0: Guys. And this is just five guys I like how they play the game of basketball. No, they're not named
1: Riley this week, which is a little disappointing. No,
0: no, and they're just guys I like. Okay, and then there's no reason I like them. But if you hear their names, you see them play. You see them playing. Just know I like them. I like Paul Mulcahy from Rutgers. He wears long sleeves and a headband. Reminds reminds me of a young Riley. Your
2: button. family, your religion, and
0: Rutgers basketball. Uh, This one is a household name, Max Asemus. Yes, sir. I think people kind of forgot about him a little bit.
1: He's still really good. By the way, there was a, uh, I was just scrolling through TikTok today and I came across a video of a guy saying, here's, get ready to watch this team make another Cinderella run. And it was Oral Roberts. And I went, I went, that's very true. But now this guy is doing this. Everyone's going to pick Oral Roberts as their Cinderella team. Now okay. I have to find new Cinderella teams. I, I am here. begging
2: for misery, as in my bracketology, I pitted UConn against Oral Roberts in the 512.
0: Oh, oh.
1: So that's a loss there, Scott, for the Hustlers. All
0: right. so. Um, so I went with a starting five. So I got three more guys. I got Fletcher Lawyer from Purdue, uh, the former Indiana Gatorade player of the year. Uh, he's just really good at shooting, and he's really good down the stretch. And I love the way Purdue's team is structured with Zach Eady and then just a bunch of shooters around him. It's genius. Another guy, Eddie Lampkin, TCU. Great name. B- Big Ed. Uh, name. W- what a guy. I mean, just, just a hard-nosed grinder. Ooh. And then uh, a guy who really gets after it on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, great name, too. Reese Beekman. I mean, what a last name. Virginia. 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 Virginia, shout out Ryan Sikora. Exactly, Sikora. Would be very happy with that one right now. Yep. Yeah, so, he's here. Those are those are rise guys to look for. Um, we'll we'll have that throughout the end throughout the end of the season as we get going here. I can assure you, a guy from Duke will never make it. Uh, I might do like. You do an an, anti-rise guys, like That'd my five idea. least favorite players, just the entire Duke just the entire run. Duke starting. No, season. no, no. no. He all of them necessarily just. Well, you should. You're in if so. No, Scott, they're still decent people. No you can
2: be, the point of being a fan. I hate everyone and anything having to do with Providence basketball. Okay. Unless Noah 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 Horkler, the one ex the one exception. Hor two of the toilet. Guys electric. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> move on. This would be the time Kevin would mute me if we were in the studio.
0: Scott, our last thing we have on the docket. How do you feel about yes. Xavier Yukon? Wednesday night. Sammy Miller against Scott Sanduley, Wednesday night. For those of you who don't know, Sammy Miller's brother, friend of the show, is an assistant coach of Xavier.
2: So my thoughts on – so UConn kind of took a nosedive. They lost five of six. They're down to five and five in conference play, which is not good at all. It's um, But with the way the season started, like – so last year, I saw something on Twitter that really put things in perspective. These both Yukon teams last year and this year started 16 and 5. Last year I was over the moon about a 16 and 5 start. Now I'm very upset about a 16 and 5 start because it was 14 and up. So, with the way this game is shaping up, UConn has not lost a game at Gamble Pavilion since 2021. They did not lose a game at Gamble last year. Thank God they are not doing no bull crap XL Center for this game. They are getting Xavier on campus. All the students are back. I've got plenty of boots on the ground. They're going to be at Gamble Pavilion. Yeah, we still won't see oh any other God. content from it. Well, it might be drunk content because I have some degenerate friends that go to UConn. <laughs> but so it's a big one for sure. And I think the Huskies definitely feel the heat because on, Saturday, on Sunday, they woke up in XL Center and beat the crap out of Butler. It's Butler. I know. But worse than the fall. considering what happened with St. John's, I was, I was half expecting a close game and it just never was. Jordan Hawkins had a great, had a great game. There was urgency straight from the jump, So I think they're going to have that. And they're going to have the students behind them. They're really going to be lifted up against Xavier. And I feel like Adama Sinogo has kind of in the Xavier, in the Butler game, he was very physical. He was just bullying dudes. And, I, it's not easy to bully Jack Nungy, but I feel like it is possible for him to do so. Jordan Hawkins is going to have to have a good shooting game. They're going to need to take care of the ball, which they always just play better at home. And uh, I feel like they're starting to find themselves some stability at the point guard position. Hassan Diara has really started to step up off the bench, even with uh, Tristan Newman still kind of a game-to-game kind of thing. But Alex Caravan's back back hitting his shots, Donovan Klingon is uh, getting out of foul trouble ever so slowly. But I do think they are going to win the game just because home court means everything in the Big East. Home I, court means I, absolutely I love,
0: everything. I love when Scott gets his hopes up for them to be crushed. It's, it's better. It's I, better that way. Can I just say this? Not an easy
1: stretch here for the Huskies you could, because you had got Xavier, but also – Xavier
2: also shot 65% in the game that they beat UConn in at Cintas Center. I don't yeah. believe they're shooting
1: 65%. A week from Toronto, Scott's going to laugh. But teams have actually, for, for the first time in my lifetime, teams have actually struggled going into playing a road game at DePaul. UConn That's goes to League DePaul East. next Tuesday. I'm not worried. Right the game, let me check. Well, I'm I know Scott's going to say he's not worried. But I'm, I'm just saying, slightest. though, be careful. Because Xavier went in his 20-point favorites. And look what happened. That's last why I think years. this is going to play into this. Because Xavier –
2: I mean, none of the, other than Sean Miller, they don't really have guys that have played in the tournament. Is it wrong so, that
1: I feel better about DePaul right now than Scott probably feels about UConn? Because I am actually very happy with the product. I know two weeks ago I went on a rant, but since that rant, they, someone must have been listening. Because even in their losses, they've actually looked like a competent basketball how team about, for once. Hey, let's get
2: above 500 and then we'll talk to Paul, all right?
1: I, I like, agree with Scott. I agree. Let's get
2: above 500. First. You
1: know what? I, we were talking UConn last year when they were, you know.
2: Never below 500. They were the ranked
1: for more than half the season. I mean, we also talked North Carolina bunch last year. Were they under 500 anymore last year? Well, that's North Carolina. That's, uh, that's, kind, a of a, fun, that's
2: kind of a story program. In I'm just sport.
1: saying this, though. Like, we all get to talk your favorite teams. Why can't I get to talk my favorite team? your favorite team sucks. Name five players that play for them. Right now? Yep. We have Erol Penn, Emoja Gibson, Mon Bynum, who actually just got suspended this weekend. So that's a great look. Um, and then there's a couple more guys who've been... You Hillary. should never
2: have to hesitate with knowing <laughs> this who the is players why we are. Talk
1: about the
0: ball.
1: You should never have to hesitate. There's Robinson as well. He's a freshman. There's so many freshmen on this team, too. So they're young.
0: You would suck of a Kentucky fan. You would make it a day. I would oh, not we, make it a day. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. Not
1: too, too, too much. Duke fan, too. Can't be a Duke too well, many, no, too many freshmen, and also just I feel really good about the stay of the team. Oh yeah, Zion Cruz mm-hmm. played for the first time the other day last weekend, which is very nice to see.
2: Yeah, so I'm not worried ah, about. Go. I mean, there you go. There's the fifth. I'm not worried about DePaul yet because Xavier's first. That's a must win, pretty much.
1: Well, you pretty much guaranteed the uh, UConn win next week. So,
2: well, I'm looking at the schedule next week. I don't like to get ahead of myself, but since you're kind of forcing my hand, I'm actually more concerned about UConn going to Georgetown
1: than going to DePaul. DePaul goes to Georgetown this week, and I'm scared. Actually, yeah, you're probably gonna lose. I'm scared. Georgetown get, George that, that, gave Georgetown
2: kind of
0: gave UConn a game, I mean it? That, that better not be on any sort of television. Great. The, the, ball, ball. the ball, the ball, ball and Georgetown should not be watched by anyone besides the ten people in attendance.
2: And Ben no, Corney.
0: No one should have to sit through that. But this feels like a good time to stop. A good place to end. Leave people on a, a cliffhanger for Wednesday. Oh,
2: oh, we are going to open the show with me and. Hey, uh, absolute rage or an absolute
1: uh, hysterics. To answer Riley's question, it is on TV. It is on boy, FS1 tomorrow boy. night. And se- it's the 7 o'clock FS1 shit. game tomorrow night. I will not be watching. I will be watching. I will be watching.
0: top of this you can never reach uh, these ghosts. up in the booth and we spin the truth Aye. we inspire the youth and we get to the loop you do what it does and we do what it do we turn to the max and they got you on mute, mute. oh flow so high so you know Aye. i had a running back blazes the ball, and we running Aye. like a running back gay broad so you know we have a there with that turn you in the up so you know Aye. we ain't no coming back now we done with that